This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, What to Say and How to Say It, 72 Courageous Conversations for the Workplace, Emotional Intelligence Skills, How-Tos for Entering, Engaging, and Exiting Necessary Dialogue. And the authors, William and Carolyn Hines. And Carolyn joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Carolyn. Hello. Good to have you with us. Now, William's going to join us in a few minutes. But first of all, I'd like to just share what you have written about your book in a very general way. You say, what to say and how to say it is one of the most practical, easy-to-read, and easy-to-apply books that carries crucial conversations and emotional intelligence skills to an even higher level. Also, in your book, you quote from Earl Nightingale, and you say, he said that the effectiveness of one's life is determined by the effectiveness of one's communication skills. So that kind of sums it up, and we can learn this, and thank goodness for that, right? That's right. You're exactly right. Well, give us a little bit of your background, you and William, your background, Carolyn, because you've been at this for some time. Well, we work together. We've been, we've been with each other, actually, for 50 years. We've been married for 43, and we live and, and work together, which many people find amazing uh, as well. Uh, my husband is uh, retired military, and we made a conscious decision some years ago to do exactly what we're doing and, and went about the process of planning for it. So, and, and we're quite happy with uh, how things have worked out. So you're consultants, business we're, consultants? That's right. We're, we're management training and consultants, and we do quite a bit of work in the area of emotional intelligence, skill building, team building, leadership development, executive coaching, communication skills training, customer service training, those areas. Well, the big question always is, Carolyn, why did you take the time and the effort to publish this book? There's certainly a lot of books out there on communications. That's right. We had, for the last several years, received much intense urging from many clients, family members, and friends who really achieved quite a bit of success from our coaching them in language to try for more uh, successful outcomes, particularly in relationships, and whether they were supervisors in our supervisory training programs or uh, employees and team building sessions, uh, folks would just uh, encourage us, well, to write that down, write down how you're coaching us to frame the language. And that's what we did. Well, you ask a lot of questions at, at the beginning, and some of these are, I think, well, probably all of them we've at one time or another, have gone through, for example, have you ever thought of exactly what you wanted to say to someone 
the next day or even weeks later? Uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> you know, but, but maybe didn't know quite how to say it and maybe had a little bit of apprehension about it, you know? Or have you, have you ever been treated disrespectfully and did not know how to respond? And there's a long list of questions, and that's what this book is all about. That's right. It, what we provide, really, not just the questions, but also the responses to the questions, the answers to the questions. In other words, exactly what you can say, what needs to come out of your mouth in order to better manage these kinds of situations. So you start right out in Chapter 1, and, and here's 72 skills, and you call them skills, and that's hopeful. That means we can learn this. and it, you know We don't have to be uh, just be professional teachers. Or the, the average person can learn these things, correct? That's right. That's right. These, these skills are not at all tied to your DNA, just your willingness to, to, to learn the skills, spontaneously moving off of them given real situations that all of us encounter from time to time. Well, I'm going to pick out a few here, and if you would go into real details on just a few of them to give everyone an understanding of how uh, dramatic these are and how we can learn these, how important it is to learn these. For example, skill number one. We'll start with number one. Strengthen your emotional mindset by touching others with your words. Now, explain what you mean by all that. What we mean, and by the way, William has Oh, oh I want to welcome William Hines to this iUniverse segment. Uh, hello, William. Hello, how are you? Good to have you with us. William had to step out for a little bit, but we're glad he and Carolyn Hines are with us. So go ahead, Carolyn and William. Uh, we're talking about skill number one, William. Okay. All right. Strengthening your emotional mindset means that how you choose to think about what it is that you're facing, have to face, or, or faced in, in the past has a lot to do with the future of that relationship. So it's a discipline of thinking. It's an emotional mindset uh, and, and how you use the words to really come out of that mindset. A discipline of thinking. So you're going to help us think through the best way to respond or to initiate a conversation. That's right. That's right. Well, here's another one. Uh, William, why don't you share with us, uh, let's see, number six, skill number six. This is something we probably forget. Remember that people are rational from their point of view. Everything seems crystal clear, right, to the other person. Well, that, that's a powerful skill because what it does is it helps you frame your response before you make it. If you, we never say that you have to agree with where the person is, but you must, your mindset must be that that person is rational from their point of view. Now, I may look at their point of view and from the way I look at it, it may not be the best point for me. But if my mindset is they're rational from their point of view, then I am now better equipped to respond to that person to elicit the best response for the conversation. Is that like the old saying, we must walk a mile in somebody else's shoes in order to understand where they're coming from? Well, that's, that's certainly a, a good analogy, very similar to that. 
frame your response. I like that. I like that. Frame it. You know, we we always take very a lot of care. Usually, if there's a special picture, we're going to frame it in a special way. So that takes some special thinking, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Let's see. I'm going down the list here. Just some things that uh, different skills that are just kind of jumping out at me. Oh, here's one. Skill number 16, Carolyn. Uh, this one's right to the point. Stick to straight talk. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, straight talk really means that, that you, you stay with what the issue is, especially without beating around the bush. Uh, and, and rather than trying to make up excuses or blame, just simply speak straight. Here's where, I, where, here's where I am on this, for example. Here's what I need to hear you say. I mean, those are examples of straight talk, as opposed to expecting other people to read our minds or wonder what it is that we're trying to say. And if I may jump in here, the more you talk around issues, the more cloudy the conversation gets. Why do we beat around the bush? We think, we think you beat around the bush because you, you lack the skill. Okay. It's, it's the same reason why you hit a tennis ball out all the time. You don't have the skills that you need to keep it in balance. Okay. All right. Let's see. Uh, well, this one's very succinct and I think very understandable, but extremely important, William. Skill number 25, be truthful. That sounds like great advice. We sometimes probably have a challenge with, with that wisdom well uh, and, and again that one is it's really sort of in line with with the straight talk and, and again you know when you're not being truthful all, oftentimes people can really see through it when you're not being truthful i know i've had great experience with that in my work with young people uh people think that you can kind of kid around with young young kids and they don't really know what it is you're saying but when you are truthful people know that you're truthful and oftentimes when you are not when you are less than truthful, people see through that. Then you've got to worry about remembering what it was you said. Well, in chapter six, it sounds it looks like a whole chapter, a very important chapter, Carolyn, picking your battles, that obviously is a, a very strategic of strategic importance. <laughs> and I and I like this one, which we probably often don't include into any kind of strategy with picking your battles, make a peace offering. That, that's right. That's right. We made a concrete peace offering. Being able to, to say to someone, I'm sorry or, or thank you, oftentimes is, is a minimum form of communicating, but we're talking about a concrete peace offering where I say, William, take this, take this role of lifesavers because you really saved my life on this one. And oftentimes people will keep that role of lifesavers or that card forever and a day because it has special meaning in connecting you to that relationship. It yeah. goes beyond the minimum expectation of a simple thank you or, or, or flat apology. It really but, becomes valuable to someone because they realize how much you care? That's right. All right. Here, let's see. How about... William, let's talk about uh, understand the management of differences. 
okay? Understanding the management of differences, meaning basically you want to manage how effectively you're dealing with different people in different situations. So that, obviously, we have to really, again, I guess it's like you're saying, these skills, we need to learn to have this disciplined kind of thinking, don't we? Yeah, because uh, as, we, as we say in that section, you know, some people may have stronger feelings around a particular issue than others, and, and effectively managing those differences will have everything to do with how effectively the communication will be. And this one seems so obvious, but often it's so hard to do, Carolyn, Listen, listen, listen. That's right. That's right. We have a simple formula. We have two ears and one mouth, so spend twice the time listening as we do talking. Because we can't have just our own agenda, can we? Never, never, never. Then you're talking to yourself. (laughs) And and sometimes we we even answer ourselves and get into a real quagmire. Two Two to one is the formula. It's certainly, if we're answering ourselves and not including the person that we're trying to communicate with, we're not getting anywhere. That's right. Here's another one. Uh, state what you are willing to do. Yes. Uh, again, another big one. And one of the best ways we think to, to really get communication really going is I go into that interaction and I say up front, here's what I'm willing to do to make this happen. Can I count on you to do Thus and such, but I state up front what it is I'm willing to do. So I am, I'm in essence leading the conversation with what I'm willing to give or what I'm willing to do. And the key is to attempt and strive to be as clear as you can about what you're willing to do and what you need them to do. Absolutely. And see, if I lead with what I'm willing, what I'm willing to do, it, we think it makes it a lot easier for you to ask that other person then to say what it is they're willing to do work through that right because that i guess that just shows that we are trying to resolve the conflict as best as we can that's right it's not so much resolve the conflict as to manage it we we often work ah, with people yeah. unwilling to budge yeah manage i like that manage big big change in in perception there that's right that's right well this book is again has 72 skills skills that Anybody can learn? We think anybody can learn them, yes. But we need to practice them. We need to, obviously, we need to study. We need to to practice, don't we? Yes. How do we practice? Well, the more, you know, I I don't want to seem too, too coy about it, but it's almost like riding a bicycle. The more you use them, the more comfortable you are with them. I mean, we've done, and which was one of the reasons we wanted to do this little book, a lot of the people that we work with said, hey, I wish I could just take a little piece of you with me back to work when I have to deal with this. And what we say is the more comfortable you get using these skills, the easier it is for you to use them and the more natural it will feel. You see, oftentimes uh, conversations and communications break down because people are not comfortable that they have the skill. William and Carolyn, how do we get your book? Well, it's available through Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNobles.com, the iUniverse uh, uh, site as well. It, it's now available for, for purchase. Well, very good. We really appreciate you being with us. A lot to uh, uh, learn, but at the same time, a lot of hope that we can really get better in our communication skills. 
especially with your help. That's exactly right. Many people are very predictable, and that allows us to, to be able to practice what it is that we need to say, given the predictability of other people. William and Carolyn Hines, thank you. Thank you so much for being on iUniverse Radio. Thank you. Thank you. That was authors William and Carolyn Hines, their book, What to Say and How to Say It, 72 Courageous Conversations for the Workplace, Emotional Intelligence Skills, How-Tos for Entering, Engaging, and Exiting Necessary Dialogue. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. What's your story? Are you living it? Well, you could be. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Her passion is helping others discover, create, and live their personal brands. Yep, you heard me. You have a brand. No different than Coke, Pepsi, or Nike. You are a walking, talking, living, breathing brand. You're not a logo. You're not a tagline. The choices you make become the path you take. This is your brand. Now, live your story. Your brand is not just what you say it is. It's also what others say it is. So what are you communicating? And how can you create an authentic brand? We'll take on these challenges with What's Your Story? Every week, Hillary will feature teens, moms, and organizations that are learning and living their story. Now, her passion is to help others discover, create, and live their personal brands. To find out more, go to inspiredbyfamily.com. It's What's Your Story with Hillary Bilbrey. Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Children Have Abilities, Now Go Educate. And the author is J. Patrick Carrier, and Patrick joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Patrick. Hello, how are you? Well, good to have you with us. Now, I want to read a little bit that what you have written Concerning introducing your book in kind of an overview, get us started here. You say, we tend to go after dictators all over the world when our system is equal or worse than that which we condemn. We are equally dictated to, as the examples written in this novel will point out. Now, you also say, you quote Jimi Hendrix, and most people are familiar with the musician, singer Jimi Hendrix, He said, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, only then we will have peace. Well, that 
kind of sums it up as well. And this book is a product of a a lot of traveling, a lot of learning, a lot of uh, observations of different cultures, right? Exactly. And why did you feel you wanted to publish a book about it? Well, I think it's important that we we all learn to get along with people and and to... uh, not only uh, have our views uh, within our own circles, but to go outside the circle and see how other people view us as well as we view them. And from my travels, I have found that uh, they, they view very strongly about the West and, and uh, ourselves as being part of the problem. And, and uh, it's something that we, I had to think about before I wrote the book and to, to look in the mirror and see if we were part of the problem. Now, a book that had a great impact upon you was written by Ogmandino, the, the title, The Greatest Miracle in the World. Tell us a little bit about that book and why it had such an impact on you. Well, it was such a positive book, and it had an outlook of, of uh, spirituality to it. That uh, When one takes a look at, at, at your spirit, spirituality, it, uh, it kind of makes you think a little bit about not only yourself, but other people and, and your powers of choice to think and, and to speak. And, and many of these are being taken away by political correctness and, and, and through the uh, sciences and things like that, that uh, I feel that we need to speak out on them. Well, you talk about the power of choice and how important that is. Yes. Uh, sometimes I feel we don't have a choice. Like, uh, just for an example here, like... Uh, where where do our taxes get spent? I mean, we spend a lot of money on wars, and we have people here waiting for hip transplants. We have uh, many, many people that are hungry, and we spend billions and billions of dollars on space programs, on, on things like that, that really, do we really need that? I mean, it's, it's, it's something that we have to choose, and, and maybe all of us are not for this kind of thing. Uh, the damage it's doing possibly to the ozone layers to, uh, with the spacecraft going through and creating vacuums... Uh, just aircraft in the air, big furnaces heating up the air, all of these things are impacting what we are doing to uh, uh, our societies today. And, and uh, to uh, try to have a voice on that, I, I don't feel we have a choice. What kind of an impact did 9-11 have on all of this, all of our future peace and our well-being? Well, you know, 9-11 was something that really really impacted myself personally because I had worked with so many of these people and, and I didn't see uh, all of the problems that uh, we associate 9-11 with and, and uh, working with the Arab community I was treated very well I, I was never threatened uh, and ordinary people seem to be able to get along and 9-11 I don't know it, it seems to me that we can rally people behind committing evil but we can't rally people to have peace and as John Lennon said you know give peace a chance uh, I understand fully that okay we, we did get uh, uh, a pretty good slap in the face by what happened however uh, you know we, we probably cause a lot of these problems ourselves by selling all of these weapons and, and things like that that have made these people angry and, and, and things like that so you spent time with these people uh, through your work, through your uh, oil uh, business uh, work for years, and I think most of us would agree with you that most people, no matter the culture, are just 
want to be happy. They want to be peaceful. They don't want any wars. They don't want power. They, you know, they just want to have a, a happy, peaceful life. And yet our world seems to be just torn apart by a, really a relatively few. Exactly. And those few, basically, to me, uh, I feel most of these people are in leadership roles, and, and they're utilizing our people and our young people to, uh, to commit a lot of these things that uh, really are unnecessary when we could sit down and talk. I mean, we've had plenty of time over, over the years, from 1990, especially leading up to 9-11, I mean, to talk with these people. Uh, uh, we seem to tell them, we, we seem to make demands, if you do this, we'll do that, instead of actually sitting down talking and finding out what is really the problem. Now, you had an interesting experience that, I guess, uh, spawned all of these thoughts and this desire to write this book. Uh, you, you heard a voice. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about that experience and, and what you were pondering and struggling with before this, this spiritual experience. I, I'm sure that's what you would call it, right? Exactly. I believe that's what happened. And, and uh, it was one of these things where I was in depression because of what happened in the Middle East uh, with a blowout. And, and uh, many things went wrong. And, and uh, to, you have to accept responsibility when you are in a leadership role. And it's something that I, I took upon myself quite heavily, and, and uh, when I read that book about uh, the greatest miracle in the world, I, I got to thinking that, you know, there's really not much I could do about these kinds of things, and, and it was like I was entranced by uh, the Holy Spirit, I guess you, you'd call it, uh, entering me, and this voice telling me, you know, like, tell your story, and, and, and uh, explain yourself, and, and, you know, just tut, 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 let's try to have positive things, and, and this went on for a couple of weeks, uh, and my wife questioned this many times, and, and I said, you know, I said, it's kind of out of my control. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I said, we can sit down and talk about it later, which we did. So this voice basically explained to you about the West that makes all the bombs and makes all the airplanes to carry the bombs and the guns, the tanks, the missiles, and trains people to kill others. Um so how do you reconcile all that when there's equally, uh, you know, bad people in the world that hate America? How, how do we deal with all this? Well, I, I don't think it was the voice that told me all of these things. I mean, it's other people, other cultures that I was speaking to that, uh, that pointed many of these things out. Now, I know that there's other bad people in the world, and most of these people, like I say, are leadership roles. These are people uh, that uh, we seem to ca uh, not be able to get along with. From my experience dealing with ordinary people, I mean, we, we could solve many, many problems uh, with all the cultures we had. We had Americans, Arabs, uh, Filipinos, East Indians, Canadians, and you name it, British, Scottish. And, and all of us could pull together as a, as a group and, and, and solve a problem, whereas it, it seems like we can't, on, on a world stage, sit down and solve these problems without making demands and, and threats and, 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 you know, all of these different things. It's, it's not about the American people. It's about all of the world. Uh, the leaderships throughout the world is what I'm speaking of. It's not only the Americans. So you're, you're trying to uh, tell us that the West 
should have as much energy and put as much money and organization and power into creating peace than it does for war. Absolutely. So how do we go about that? How, how would, you know, obviously it starts, I guess, with electing the right people, maybe. Well, I think we have to educate people. I mean, we, we, we go through school, uh, you know, we're, we're taught in school all of these histories of, of, of these conquerors and controllers, and, and it continues this cycle from generation to generation, and, and we keep uh, hearing these things from all, ki- all sorts of different uh, uh, venues like the media and, and, and putting this on television in, in everybody's living room and, and you're having to choose sides here and, and you don't have enough time to really think about what is going on. You're kept so busy. You, you talked about being depressed before you wrote this book and, and the, the voice telling you to tell your story. What has been uh, the outcome of, of writing your book and how do you view things? Uh, I mean, is it, has it been helpful for you? Well, yes, it has, because you're able to speak out. You're able to say things that, uh, that sometimes you can't say. Uh, you're able to possibly help other people with different views and, and, and you know, to, to stop and think before, before we do something. As for depression, well, I think there's many, many people that are depressed in, 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 in a sense with all of what's going on in the world and, and, and confused with, with uh, uh, how do we achieve peace. How do we accomplish many, many things? And, and because we're kept so busy, we don't have time to think about a lot of things. Well, it's certainly a very fast-paced world, and there's a lot of confusion and a lot of fear and wonder about the future. Uh, distrust. I mean, uh, there you there's, go. So much, there's so much distrust in the world. There's so right. much uh, anger and, and, and all of these different things that... that uh, come up on, on negative terms, you know, where possibly if we, if we were able to uh, sit down for a couple of months without having to be pressured into paying taxes, without having being pressured into to doing all sorts of other things to, to be able to live, uh, maybe we could stop and think about these things and, and, and uh, you know, to have a different view rather than go about blindly and... and, and uh, and jumping on the bandwagon of, of, of evil immediately. And, and it, it amazes me how, how fast that happens, where if, if, if something does happen, we can all jump on this bandwagon and go to evil, but we don't stop and think about what the consequences would be. The more hatred we have from those people, the more, the more negativity that we cause, and, and the disgruntlement between uh, peoples within our own societies, because there are some for, some against, and, and we have to stand up and, and, and be able to talk about these things. So in your book, do you reach conclusions to how to bring this about? I mean, do you have a, a feeling? Did you get direction from this spiritual experience of how to bring about this kind of change? Well, in order to bring about this kind of change, we have to, we have to let our leaderships know that, you know, enough is enough that we we can't afford to keep doing these kinds of things uh our our livelihoods are at stake all uh, uh, and and we're throwing people out on the street within our own societies because of the expense it is to live here in 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 these countries both canada united states britain and and the western world our values have become so high now that we continue to pay all of these taxes and they're spent unwisely as far as i'm concerned 
In the title of your book, Children Have Abilities, Now Go Educate, is part of this, we've got to train up a whole new generation. Well, we, we've got to train people to get along. We have to train people to, to, uh, to educate themselves, not only in, in our schools, but in our homes. Uh, and, and what you say in your homes, I mean, education is such a big topic that uh, we, have to, we have to understand as parents, as grandparents, as, as, as uh, leaders, that you, you can't educate with negativity because a child will pick up on everything you say in your household. And he will grow with that until he's uh, 20 years old and, and make it, maybe make an unwise choice of, of, of uh, doing something evil. Well, when you look at a culture, when you look at a society, just what you're saying is so true because the home, the family, is the most fundamental part of any culture or society. Absolutely, and, and it seems like our time as a family has been taken away with so much, uh, uh, with a two-family income that has to be brought home. Now we don't have enough time to spend with our children. We throw them on these gas-guzzling buses today and, and send them for an hour to school, and, and, uh, and uh, they go to school for eight hours, come home, they have two hours of homework. You really don't have a lot of time to spend, and we fought for an eight-hour workday, and we're throwing our children out there for 12 hours many times. Well, Patrick, it's a pleasure to talk with you. You certainly have a lot of great thoughts, and you have expressed them very well. And children have abilities. Now go educate. How do we get your book, Patrick? Well, you can get it through iUniverse. I believe it's on Chapters and and, uh, a few other spots. Uh, uh, Amazon.com, I believe, has it, and and, uh, different different uh, media people have it so you would sum up your book as there is peace in the world if we make it happen exactly and i am sure and 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 i'm a hundred percent sure that i'm not alone i mean there's there's many many people not only in in north america but in in uh, the middle east in in pakistan you name it just any country that just want to live in peace and harmony they don't they don't want all of this patrick thanks for being on our universe radio thank you very much for having me that was j patrick carrier he is the author of his book children have abilities now go educate You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Girlfriended is on Tugging at. 
Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriend at principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, Girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Move On with Parkinson's, an inspiring true story is told by a PD patient and the author, Michael Stanfield. And Michael joins us now on this special interview on iUniverse Radio brought to you by Author Hive. Hello, Michael. Hi, Steve. I'm pleased to be here. Well, it's really an honor to have you on the show. Uh, This is about Parkinson's disease. You know firsthand because you have it and have had it for some time, and your whole goal is to help that person who's just discovering that they have this this disease and give them some hope, right? That's absolutely correct because what I discovered in the first uh, beginning of my problems with this disease is that there are lots and lots of things that you can go wrong, but you can make your whole world turn around and be right and keep it that way. Well, it's a uh, surprise kind of a disease because it sneaks up on you, so to speak, right? It just kind of very uh, slowly some things started changing, and it took, took you a while before you realized there was something going on. Yeah, it's a long while. We're talking years. Uh, I used to have a lot of uh, talents, you might say, or gifts from God, things that I could do that were uh, useful. And gradually, I started having trouble doing those things. And they had, and that involved my hands and my uh, posture. I was becoming stooped, but it happened very slowly. No way that I could have tell, told that I was sick, because. The uh, the problem that uh, I ran into was that, uh, and another problem, guess what it is? It's forgetting. Uh, you do in later years, and I just forgot what I was going to say, so I'll have to regroup <laughs> a little bit. Um, what, what happened to me was that I went for probably about 10 years thinking I had arthritis, uh, thinking I had other rather, uh, hopefully, uh, not profound diseases, but when I finally was diagnosed, it was only six years ago, uh, I was on that long road, and, and that's the one that uh, well, I'll tell you more about. Sure. And at first, you were extremely fearful for the future. I was, uh, I was ab- absolutely terrified. I said to Jean when I, I came home the, the day of the uh, diagnosis, and I, she wasn't with me at the time, 
But I told her that my life is over, as I know it at least. My life is over, and she put up with that, as I said, uh, for a couple of days. And then he said, we're, she said, we're going to find out what we're going to do, and we're going to do it. She's like an Army drill sergeant. And I, I really appreciate that, because that was the right thing, and uh, uh, we, we got with a really great uh, neurologist, and we got a really great uh, team uh, helping me at home, including the exercise, the personal trainer uh, has been wonderful. And uh, I, I've got myself pointed in a good direction now. I wrote all that book. Nobody helped me with it. I did the artwork on the front, and uh, I'm proud, proud to say that it has been my best achievement in my life has been dealing with this disease. Well, you've been married 49 years, and... As you say, your wife gave you uh, just a couple days to have a pity party, and it's time to get on with life, right? That's that's what she said. She said, "We're well, first we, we're going to learn a little about the disease." And she read to me, and I said, "I don't want to hear that stuff. I'm I, I I I can't do anything about it." And then she finally said, and she got our son, who is a lives in New Orleans, and in fact he happens to work for the guess who New Orleans Saints football team. <laughs> Um, uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, I'll get a plug in for you later. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, he 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 found a world class um, doctor, uh, a neurologist, uh, who had actually um, uh, done some work around the the, the Saints team, and uh, so he he already had evaluated this. This was a uh, an outstanding. Uh, world-class uh, doctor, and in two days we had a, uh, an appointment with him in, in New Orleans, and we uh, uh, were on our way. He, when I went in, I, I, I really looked terrified, I think, and he said, uh, I, I, I told him that, that I was afraid that I was going to be in a wheelchair, and he said, no way, you'll never be in a wheelchair and we're going to take care of you. Don't worry. And I, I followed his advice, and he's been right all along. So in listening to you and reading some of your thoughts, it sounds like a person who discovers that they have Parkinson's, uh, their caregivers, their families, they've just got to have this attitude that they're going to confront this thing head on. That's right. Absolutely, head on. There's no Take no prisoners. This is, the, this is a battle of your life, and you won't like where you're headed. If, if you don't do something to get yourself on the right course. Now, you quote Walt Disney, and you say, if you can dream it, you can do it. So this has become an important part of your psyche, is that you just have to stay this positive every day. That's, that's right. You, you, uh, every day is different. You know, Parkinson's is not one disease. It's a whole series of disorders within the body. And having a... Uh, good attitude means getting yourself busy and get get as good as you can out of what you've got because it turns out that what anyone has is is a lot more than they realize. Um, and uh, the, the Walt Disney reference you made is the fact that I have enjoyed in the book, uh, in, um, between some of the uh, chapters, I'm looking at the book right now, here's one that uh, I like from Yogi, Yogi Berra. If you don't know where you are going, you'll end up someplace else. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of lighthearted attitude you've got to have. Uh, we joke around. We, we never take anything terribly seriously. 
we have a setback, we say, well, where do we go from here? Let's change it. Or the doctor may say, we'll change the medication or whatever. The medication is, is the heart of the uh, getting this disease under control. And it certainly um, is um, easy to understand how it will be confusing to the new patient because there are a lot of disease, there are a lot of different medications. There's all kinds of uh, co competitive uh, products being recommended in the marketplace, uh, bicycles and things that they, people will claim will cure the disease. Nothing will cure this disease. Uh, but any, in any event, uh, I'm happy with what I've done, I'm, and I was hoping with this book to tell people my, what were my experiences. They weren't always good. I've had some uh, doors slammed in my face by the medical profession because they're too busy or they don't know enough about Parkinson, and um, it, it's really important to get a really good doctor. Give us a little of a glimpse of a day in your life. What is a day in the life of Michael Stanfield? Steve, um, we be begin the day at 5 a.m. sharp because uh, that's when I start the me medication. I take the medication 12 times a day. To some degree, there is some variation during the day to uh, help uh, me get through the day properly. And um, the um, next time, that I, after 5 a.m., to take this initial dose, I take another dose every three hours. So we're talking 8, 11, 2, etc. And um, then that's, without that, we, would, we, we must thank the people in the medical profession and the, in the industry that has, is continually working on these uh, medications. But the, the exercise is extremely important. Um, the, um, we have a personal trainer uh, on uh, t two or three days of the week for an hour in the home. We go to a gym. We just came back now from the, from a gym. I, I spend an hour in the gym three times a week, and, and they, what do you know, they give me one day off, that's Sunday. Uh, that, but what we do beyond that point is we, we try on an hour-to-hour -hour basis to judge where what's going on. Sometimes I become extremely tired um, I think it's a combination of the medication that I take and the intensity that I, I work on a lot of different things, music and other things, uh, and, and so that's how I keep my mind busy. I think you have to have a productive life. You can't plan on sitting around with Parkinson's, no matter how good the medication or operations or whatever else can be, no one is going to get ever get over this uh, without an intensive e effort and um, the, the the day ends uh, uh, usually I'm so tired because I've done so much every day that by 8.30 I'm in bed and uh, Jean, my wife uh, asked, you know, what is there anything that she can bring me or what, whatever and I said, well, why don't you bring me a magazine I'll read that and she said, you're kidding you, you pick up the magazine and in two seconds you're, t you're asleep and that's that's the way the day ends. I just fold up and um, and get ready for the next day, which is going to be great. And we travel. We go to um, 
uh, New Orleans to visit our, uh, actually our doctor is in New Orleans, uh, and we we watch uh, movies, and we, we we have a heck of a great life. It's, it's better than I would ever, ever imagine. So it's very demanding uh, schedule, but at the same time, it's it's renewing because you're pushing yourself physically and mentally, and it sounds like you're even pushing yourself emotionally to deal with all of this. Absolutely, that you hit the nail right on the head. Because um, this, I I said I was in the military, and to me, this is like a campaign, a battle, because that that disease is not going to go away on its own. It can be tamed, but it can't be killed. But my job is to keep it under control and do the right thing at the right time, and I get I get a lot of help. Everybody around me who knows me uh, is helpful, and uh, everyone, you know, it's it's wonderful when you've been. I'm not going to say sick. I am not sick. I have a condition, <laughs> um, and it's it's wonderful to know that there are people that care about you and. Uh, my sister called the uh, the other evening, and the first thing she out of her mouth was, "How how am I?" And uh, so uh, there are people that are really rooting for me. And what you got to do, and if you're a new patient, you've got to realize that uh, you, you're going to have a limited time to get yourself down the right path. It can't be done forever because uh, the body, I think, probably gets into a uh, uh, um, state that can't be reversed as easily. Uh, I've been, I am told that there is damage to the brain by this disease, and you don't want to let that take, but it can be headed off with the proper treatment. So it's so important, no matter what the obstacles may be, is to have your dreams and to go after them. That's right, and you know what? Uh, in, in the book, I talk about uh, courage. You do need to have courage to go do something that you don't feel like doing because you will not feel right every day. I feel great now. I mean, I've been, you know, my worst problem is I forget to take the medication. And the first time during the day that I realized I forgot is when I say to Jean, why do I feel so terrible? And she said, did you take your medication? Oh, sorry. And I go take it, but now now we've got another day that is partially uh, pulled back. But uh, on balance, this is not as bad as it as it would have I thought would have been before we found out about it. That's why we. That's why I decided that my doctor said he thought I should uh, document what I the little story that we've just been chatting about. And uh, because he thought it was an important guide to for, for other people, especially the, the newly diagnosed uh, people, and uh, I'm uh, I'm really grateful to the number of people I would be remiss without thanking my doctor and my uh, all the other people that have been working with me and the good friends and relatives. Um, we're going to w- win this war. We're, we're, we're going to. I'm going to get this thing so under control that most people don't know I have Parkinson's disease. Now, I want that to be 100 percent. Nobody knows that I have Parkinson's, and I won't have to talk about it. I won't have to scold people for not taking their med- like myself for not taking their medication on time. We'll just do it. 
Why don't we close with you reading a few more quotes from famous people that mean so much to you, Michael? Well, thank you. Uh, here's one that I... Here's one that goes back a long way to Virgil. They can because they think they can. Uh, he's in my, all of these quotes have to do with the attack of the uh, people that, that have this disease on their uh, problems. There's a Chinese proverb, if you would know the road ahead, ask someone who has traveled it. Yogi Berra, I tell you about his, uh, but then there's another one of these guys that's back a, a thousand years. Publius Sirius said, it is good to learn what to avoid by stu- studying the misfortunes of others. Well, Michael, we really appreciate you being on this iUniverse radio segment. Please tell us how to get your book. Okay. Uh, It's available on Amazon.com. It's available in Barnes & Noble. It is uh, available in a new website that we are in the process of building for me. The other place is at at, uh, the publisher's uh, shop where I have a... a, um, a page and that would be lulu.com l-u-l-u.com there are uh, samples of the writing in that uh, um, presentation and the book is uh, available within a couple of days uh, or in some cases in some of the um, in, uh, bookstores do have an inventory and anyway please do uh, check with it and if you have any questions there is an email uh, uh, there send them to me and I'll be glad to answer you well thank you Michael thank you for being with us well you're welcome Steve I sure appreciated the opportunity that was Michael Stanfield the author of his book move on with Parkinson's An inspiring true story as told by a PD patient. And this is brought to you by Author High. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.